This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to the Kavnis HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Our guest today is Mary Allen Sparrow. Mary Allen, are you ready to be great today? Sure. Mary Allen is a co-founder and CEO of Next Shift Robotics. Mary Allen first began creating material handling robotic systems for the semiconductor industry while at PRI Automation. Mary Allen focused on all layers of software and her teams were, were responsible for deploying 30 plus systems and fabrication plants across the world for Intel, IBM, AMD, Motorola, and Promos. She has held software management positions at Brooks Automation, ASNE, Symbotic, and Vico, and was a member of the company's strategic planning boards and company representative for several semiconductor standards committees. In 2015, she joined Harvest Automation to create an e-retail warehouse material handling system using collaborative mobile autonomous robots. When Harvest decided to sell the warehouse robots so they could focus on the original market, which was agricultural robots, Mary Allen and Stephen Teeb started Next Shift Robotics, buying the technology from Harvest Automation. Mary Allen took their hammer Next Shift, which has completed a product beta test and is currently looking for seed capital. She has 30-plus years in material handling and robotics and industries leading cross-functional in-house and outsourced international teams. Mary Allen is, is a member of the ASTM Standards F45 Committee for Driverless Automatic Guided Industrial Vehicles. Using her master's in computer science, she has developed, developed patented and trademarked traffic management software for material handling systems. Mary Allen, you're doing quite a lot right there. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. So basically, our company has actually passed the seed funding round, and we're now starting our Series A. What we noticed and why we created NextShip was in 2017, there were the U.S. consumers spent 4.453 billion on online orders, and that's growing at a 16% rate every year. And what happened with this particular dynamic is that warehouses and manufacturing facilities are having a hard time keeping up with this demand. It's creating smaller orders with fewer items, and they want next-day delivery. People expect to get their stuff quickly. And warehouses who are 45% using manual processes couldn't keep up. And we designed NextShift to help warehouses be more productive, use a collaborative method that was more scalable. And in doing so, what happened was that we have seen basically these systems be help the facility get over their hump and move forward. Mariana, what have your, your, your challenges been with the next, next Shift Robotics? The challenges that we've seen with Next Shift Robotics is basically getting people educated about how the robot works and how it's going to work collaboratively with a human. So it's no longer a robot behind a fence, but it's actually a robot that can that has a lot of smarts, that has a lot of AI, has a lot of machine vision. It can drive around a person. As a matter of fact, when it does drive around a person, it goes at a slower speed just to make everybody comfortable. And this is kind of a new way of doing automation where it doesn't take a year to put a system in, but it takes six weeks, eight weeks, sometimes 20 minutes, depending on what you're doing. 
Now, a lot of people out there think AI is like a new new technology, but it's not really brand new, brand new, is it? AI has been along for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, AI has been around for a long time, actually. It's just starting to get more notice now because we're actually seeing a lot of applications that are being able to take advantage of it. And also, it's getting more commonplace, just like online ordering is more commonplace. For those people out there and those people out there who, who say, well, the robots are taking my jobs, they're taking our jobs, robots are a bad thing, AI is a bad thing. What would you tell these people to like, try to calm them down and say, no, this is actually a good thing? Yeah, this is actually a good thing because what the robots are doing is making their job better. Basically, right now you have people lifting 40-pound totes and pushing carts that have 200 pounds on them. And what the robots are doing is taking over these types of manual tasks so that they can focus on their job and do better tasks and make more money. And there's also, there's also a labor shortage. A lot of warehouses and manufacturing facilities are having a hard time finding workers to do these jobs. Yeah, that's a very true fact. When a company brings on your robots, are they actually buying your robots or are they just leasing them from you? Either one. We're happy to do either. Which one is um, have you found most customers want to do? I haven't really found customers having preference. Basically, it's probably uh, 60% buy and maybe 30 to 40% they want to do robots as a service. Is there any benefit between leasing and buying from you? We don't see that there's a benefit either way because we're supporting our system no matter what. It really depends on the customer's bottom line and what makes them comfortable, and we're happy to do either. So talk about customer support. How do you provide customer support to the people that bring on your robots? What's all involved with that for you? We're pretty much doing two in a box where our folks will go to the site and train the person at the same time and make the warehouse and the facilities folks comfortable with what we have. So how long does it take to build a a robot? Is it the process? I'm sure there's a process to it. There is a process to it. It probably takes about a few weeks to assemble a robot. We have it pretty much down to a science at this point. And it takes a few months to get all the parts in. And is your company mainly uh, taking orders in the United States or uh, across the world right now? No, we're really focused on the U.S. and Canada. We do have our patents internationalized across the world, and we do hope to spread out internationally. But right now, we're focused on North America. So change the subject a little bit. As a female in STEM, how do we get more females into STEM? I think it's basically through support. And I think it's also through different groups that have been trying to promote having females in STEM. A lot of times throughout my career, I've been like the only female in strategic planning. I've been the only female in that that type of space. And what I'm starting to see is that more women are starting to enter. And we're excited about the prospect because the more diversity we have, the better products we'll have. Yes. I remember seeing a stat somewhere, and I have no idea it was true, but I remember seeing somewhere like, of all the elementary school girls interested in STEM, by the time they get to high school, it's down like 10, 20%. How do we fix this? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot that has to do with society, but there has to be some way to fix that. There's actually a lot of programs that are just popping up that try to get women and girls, I, I hate to say girls, but high school girls more interested in science. And they actually bring folks like myself and my cohorts into um, high school programs to show them that STEM is cool. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's basically trying to say engineering is not nerdy, but it's fun. Yes. And whatever you're passionate about is really what you should explore. So when you're going to come to and, you know, trying to sell your product, what has been the, has been the pushback for you? What is the reasons I say, well, we don't want to take on your robots? Basically, the technology's new. So, of course, we're doing a lot of education. And um, what has been really 
fundamentally successful is bringing a robot into their facility, having their 40 or 50 people surround the robot as we do a demo. And they can see that it's not scary. Yeah, I remember your, your pitch in the New York Venture Summit. That's a great, great, great video you had on how your robots actually operate. And Thank that, you. Now they're very safe and actually slow down around humans. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, that, that's actually one of the big things we learned early on is that when we went around a person or ran around an object, we reduced the speed to half. And that made everybody much more comfortable. The other thing we've done is kind of personalize the robots. We allow you to give them names. And it's funny because after people have been used to them, they start to pet them almost like dogs. <laughs> I bet that's hilarious. I would like to see that. Yep. So Mary Ellen, next, talk about time you're successful in the past, what you learned from this, what we can learn from this. Actually, I think one of the most successful things that happened to us in this company has been when we got our first patent. And it was a very exciting moment for the company to actually see a lot of people come together with all their hard work and move it to fruition so that we had a patent with this company. And what it shows is really hard work and community and, and pushing all those pieces together really pay off. Marilyn, how did you go about building your team? Because obviously you got to have some pretty smart people with the stuff <laughs> on. How do you find a recruit or how do you do that? Basically, I've been in the industry quite a long time. So I know a lot of folks. And a lot of times I have people actually asking me for when we're ready to hire. But other than that, there have been a lot of intern programs with, for example, WPI, UMass Lowell, a lot of the robotics communities nearby. And we'll bring an intern on and actually show them how it works. And a lot of times they want to stay. Mary Allen, next, talk about time you failed, what you learned from this, what we can learn. Yeah, the first time I ever pitched this company was at Tech Sandbox and the audio video failed and I got very nervous and just shut down and the whole audience went, keep talking. And I did. And I got through it. So I think what I learned was just to keep moving and keep talking and keep pushing and you can get it done. Exactly. Next, can you talk about someone who's helped in the past and how they helped you? Yeah, actually, our first seed funder, um, Golden Seeds, has been a real inspiration to us. They pushed us to do better and to create a company that we can expand upon and we can build upon. And they've been, my investors have just been wonderful. I didn't realize how influential investors would be and how much they actually wanted to help you build the business. Mariana, so for a company, let's say a company is like this starting right now. They have their product, they haven't, but they haven't done MVP yet, no market validation. What advice would you, have, would you have for them? I would say that market validation is really essential. It's crucial. It's what you want to do. So whether you can find, whether you go out and sell door-to-door -door or whether you get a great salesperson, which is what I recommend, and actually work through the process with different customers. Have them understand your value position and have you really understand what they're looking for. You have to be responsive to their needs. Marilyn, so say there's a company, they have, they have pretty good traction, they're ready to start raising funds. What advice do you have for these people? Like, they're, they're starting to raise funds, what, do you, what should they do? They should really try to get market validation as soon as possible because a company is really built on its revenue. Next, can you tell us something about yourself? Most people don't know, you know, your close family, close friends know, but people might deal with you day to day and don't know this about yourself. Okay, I started off as a geologist. And I spent four years working as a geologist in Denver, Colorado, and had a great time. Unfortunately, the market kind of crashed for geology, and I decided to switch. But what I learned from that is that there's going to be many paths you're going to take in your life. And it's crazy, the paths and the way life changes. And you never know where you're going to end up. That's a, that's a great nope. Marilyn, I understand you have a book to recommend for our listeners. Yeah, actually, it's a very short, small book. 
It's called Five Temptations of a CEO. And it's by Patrick Blasancia. I'm not saying his name right. Basically, it's kind of like a Christmas story. It's a very short fable. And what it has is passengers on a subway who give him lessons. And it's short because I don't have time for anything long. But I hope your listeners will enjoy it. Mariana, so as a CEO, I, I know a lot of people don't realize how big a CEO is. Like, so let's suppose as a, as a person, you know what? I want to be a CEO of my company. What would you tell this person who's just starting out to be a CEO founder? They're going to be very busy doing a lot of things they didn't expect. Because as a CEO and a founder, not only are you doing your product, but you're also doing all the business in the background. You're doing insurance, you're doing finance, you're doing everything. And the sooner you can start to delegate some of those responsibilities, the easier it'll be on everyone so that you can laser focus on the needs of your company as a CEO. So Mariana, as far as your marketing, do you have an actual marketing plan that you have or is this word of mouth or how are you going about that? Oh, no. Of course, we have marketing. We have a whole social media campaign. We have blogs. We have actually a webcast. We've been, we've been showing at expositions and shows. We showed at Modex this year, which was one of the largest international exhibits that had 900 exhibitors and 35,000 people. So we're out there. Mariana, can you provide your social media links for you, both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Sure. Facebook is Next Shift Robotic. Twitter is uh, Next Shift Robots. And our website is www.nextshiftrobotics.com. And there's a, a web page on there if they want to send us a message. We always love to hear from you guys. And for our listeners, we'll have a book the links for our book recommendation and her social media links on our show notes at www.cabinetshrblog.com. So, May Ellen, what's, what's the long-term vision for your, for, for your company? We really want to make our customers successful. That's our long-term vision. We want to do whatever we can so that they can keep up with their next-day deliveries and their orders that they're trying to get through. And we want to be as flexible, scalable, and easy to put in as possible. And are your like, plants currently in the Boston area, or do you have like, other plants other other places? No, we have one company which is in the Boston area, but our customers are all across the country. Mayala, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide us with any last-minute advice or wisdom on any subject you want to talk about? I'm going to give you a quote. This was a quote by um, a gentleman, um, Tom Preston Warner from Grubhub. And what he said is, when I'm old and dying, and I'm going to try to not paraphrase it too bad, I plan to look on my life and say, wow, that was an adventure. Not wow, I sure felt safe. And I hope that folks understand life is an adventure and things are going to change, and that's okay. That's a great quote. Thank you for that. Mary Ellen, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I know as a founder and a CEO, you got a lot of stuff going on. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for the opportunity. We appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.